0: Recording, yes, sir. Welcome everyone to the Rink Rat Report podcast. We're recording this one right after the Columbus Blue Jackets game, actually, a couple hours after the Columbus Blue Jackets game. It is late here, uh, joined by Josh and Jason. Jason, as always,
1: how's it going? What's up? A L- little late, but we still got energy, exactly. Not that Steve Dangle energy, but we got energy. <sighs> Come on, anyways, let's
0: uh. Let's get into it. Support for the Rink Rat Report Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. I mean, we've been telling you about Manscaped the past couple weeks. I've really loved their stuff. I really love the ball. I use the ball deodorant. Truthfully, I am a person that always wears jeans. I always wear jeans, and I find when I wear track pants, it's because it gets a little soupy down there kind of thing. I know you don't want to hear it, but it's true. Little.
1: Ilya McKay of down Oh, Jack <laughs>
0: But as you can see now, I'm wearing track pants. And why? That ball deodorant is really good that they gave us.
2: Oh, yeah. Really, really good. And it makes sense when you think about it. Like, again, people sweat, right?
0: You, you, like the way that you, you sit you, all day. You, like
2: like if you're sitting in an office at a computer, even if you're going for a rung and you, you got some issues with chafing, playing hockey, I'm telling you, on the on the ice, it feels great blowing through the wind and... Skating with that baldeer, it feels fresh. But yeah, I use also used the nose trainer this week,
1: yep. off of great. last week's recommendation. Yes, yes, exactly. So
0: exactly. Uh, There's the lawn 4.0 as well that they gave us. We've been pumping that. Uh, trust uh, join over four million men who trust Manscape with this exclusive offer for you: twenty percent off and worldwide shipping with the promo code Rink Rat. That is R I N K R A T. At checkout at manscaped.com. Let's get into some
1: details. So, just I don't want to seem like the Steve Dangle hater because, like, I've, I've met him. He's a super nice guy. Well, like, there's a pretty viral video that Sid Cicero tweeted of him, like, like on his, essentially knees on his knees wailing. Like, we're all because not Sheldon happy Sheldon
0: Keefe came out and said this is a good wake up call. But and
1: also, like, we're all not happy that the Leafs lost, but we're going to try to do the opposite of the wailing and give you some, like, All right, why did they lose these games? Not just because, oh, it's the same Leafs. They're going to fail in the playoffs. It doesn't matter. And you know what? There's a chance that that's the road we're going to take. But there's also a chance that you can find things from these games. You can understand why they're losing. It's before the trade deadline. We can find some solutions. We can solve it. I think people would rather hear that. I think our listeners would rather hear that. Last year's behind us. It's a
0: different team. There was no Michael Bunting, Andre Kasha, Peter Mrazic yeah, and so on and him. so forth. We had an actual Jake Muzzin on our team. I don't know where he went him. Him and Justin Hole have uh they're actually hiding out in the in the Bahamas and we have a couple clones on this team because they do not look like themselves whatsoever. Yeah. And now Jake Muzzin is out with a concussion. That was hopefully scary, he's right? he's back soon. I don't know what's okay. going on.
1: The Leafs have an like odd amount of those freak injuries yeah like, it's weird yeah. i swear
2: i haven't like i don't know how many games i've watched in my lifetime i've never seen a guy get like knee like that and head, head on the ice like knee, that those yeah. are like some crazy like, like their guys don't get hurt mm-hmm. in the normal way where it's yeah. like a
1: head shot
0: or yeah like, it's weird yeah. And it's crazy because like none just of these injuries are coming to like andre kasha who just goes head first into yeah. everything it seems like yeah but uh knock on wood yeah. he's gonna be good for playoffs there but yeah, let's let's get into tonight's game first. A little bit of details, what you saw, what you didn't like. Jason, you got some points? I was going
2: to say that maybe we get into the Labushkin trade let's first. Let's get
0: into the Labushkin trade yeah, first. Yeah, sorry no about, about that. It.
2: But, um, yeah, so if you if you didn't hear, I'm sure you have. Nick Ritchie finally off the books. We were able to ship him out along with the uh, all right. <laughs> great. <All
1: right. laughs> no, no. I, I, first of all, best for case him. for Nick Ritchie mm-hmm. gets yeah. a new spot and he'll have a chance. In that, like, in that organization, you'll get a chance to redeem your value. Hundred percent. Second of all, the Leafs were going to trade him no matter what, mm-hmm. and it's best case scenario that they got a something out of it and B didn't have to retain any salary. Yeah, that's true. That's I true. wish all the best for Nick Ritchie. Yeah, if
0: he doesn't play himself up in that lineup, up into that, like, up in that lineup, oh my god.
2: Yeah, but yeah. you're so, done. So the <laughs> Leafs, the Leafs sent over Nick Ritchie and a 2023 right, 2023 second round no, pick. Third. Sorry, third round pick with the condition. Arizona has the option to change that to a 2025 second round pick. So I think that's the I believe so biggest like the the furthest away draft pick I've ever seen traded. Yeah. I, I think you're only people
0: were making fun. Of They're like this this kid that is in the future <laughs> going to be drafted by the Coyotes is currently doing his his homework right now in the ninth grade, <laughs> right? Yeah, but like...
2: uh, in return we got Ryan Dezingle and. Ilya Labushkin, who was the main piece, I think, for Ryan, the Leafs. Zing- Ryan
0: Zingle, yeah, Zingle. and then so, he Ryan Zingle was put on waivers and was subsequently claimed by the Sharks. Subsequently, there we are. And, uh,
1: why did they get Zingle in the trade specifically?
2: Oh, so the Zingle helps Arizona shed cap because again, his minor salary is one point one, or sorry, yes, one point one, and so again, this is just a way for. Uh, Arizona to match cap with Nick Ritchie because they're going to be paying. uh, They would have had to pay these these guys anyways if they sent them down and stuck around with the team. And that's the same thing that went for Carter Hutton. Carter Hutton got sent down on waivers the day after this trade, and the Leafs acquired him for future considerations. A lot of people were wondering why. There was a great article put up by – I forget his name. I I feel terrible. I'll pull it up right now. But um, essentially what happens is – so. Um, Carter Hutton still is, is a minimum salary, seven fifty k, But if he gets sent down to the minors, he still makes that money. No, that's, that's not the case with all contracts. So I guess to help alleviate the cost of uh, of Nick Ritchie and how much Arizona is going to pay them, uh, at least kind of did them a solid by taking essentially Carter Hutton for free. And Carter Hutton will be loaned back to Tucson in the AHL so he doesn't have to leave his family. So, like, so nice little tidy work from Kyle Dubas, making the money work and keeping kind of everyone involved happy it was it was a great great trade and again the biggest thing that we've yet to get into is the big piece for us Ilya labushkin
0: and also the article was from craig morgan craig
1: morgan craig he's very plugged into the arizona Arizona. hockey scene so (laughs) and also sorry jason another question um i just lost my train of thought uh ryan zingle so these fans are saying why did they acquire this guy and then send him down immediately like would we have to pay him if he's in the minors? No. So
2: essentially because he got claimed, like he would, he, uh, his, his contract is off our books. But if he played for, if he got sent down to the AHL, his, his salary is, I think just a little bit over. I think it's like $50,000 over the, the league minimum. <sighs> yeah. No, the, the, the max variable. the max variable. That's what it is. Oh, yes. Okay. So for some who don't know when Nick Ritchie was buried, we were actually paying off 1.3
1: ish against
2: the cap against the cap. But, uh, for Dezingle, if he stayed with us, he got claimed, so it
1: doesn't really matter. It would be like 50K against so the cap, believe So believe it or not, what, what, the point I'm getting at, is like the reason this is such tidy work is like even if Dezingle didn't get claimed, the Leafs are still actually not like shedding or not adding cap space. They're mm-hmm. actually shedding cap space compared to having Richie's mm-hmm. full cap number or even his, his buried number, right? Because you're just yeah. wasting a million on a, on a non-roster spot. And another thing that's allowing the Leafs to do right now is accrue cap space going towards the deadline. A lot of people don't understand or are aware of this. This is a very CBA lawyer hockey operations part of of the cap, but you can actually gain cap space. and You can spend over the cap on the deadline, non-LTR related, by having cap space. Mm-hmm. Every day you have cap space, it equates it actually accrues toward the amount of cap space at the end of the season. It's very complicated. I'm not going to get into it. But these little opportunities that Kyle Dubas has to send guys up and down—that's why sometimes you see Lilgren go down for mm-hmm. a day, Sandin go down for a day. But even like the fact that they can have Zingle down and his whole cap would have been variable—it was a perfect trade. And again, we're bearing the lead; they were able to pick up the exact piece that they needed at this point, which is Ily- Ilya Bushkin. Let's hear what do you guys think of his game.
0: So to be one hundred percent truthful, I didn't get to watch too too much of him when he was in Arizona. From the sources that I had heard that had actually watched him, um, big guy, physical, not very offensively gifted, pretty good in front of his own net, uh, pretty good defensively as well. Uh, Someone commented on Instagram, I believe it was, they were saying he is solid defensively, sometimes gets caught at his own blue line, which... Whoops! He got that happened tonight, <laughs> um, because he's trying to make that extra offensive play. Maybe that's because he was in Arizona. There absolutely is no offense trying to do a little bit too much. So hopefully that goes away. But the guy was saying he's a solid player, like good hitter kind of thing. Seemingly adding what the Leafs
1: quite don't
0: have mm-hmm. in the lineup. Yeah, so I agree.
1: I don't. He's not bringing anything offensively. Don't think that. But we don't need that, right? We got. You know, Morgan Riley is a premier offensive defenseman in the NHL. Maraspa Sandin's going to be that. He's already really good at it. You don't need more than probably two of those guys going into a playoff, right? You know how the game's played. Yeah. Two things he does really well. We're lucky enough to have some some look at some good numbers here. One of them is entry denial rates. It's a big thing for the Leafs. The Leafs don't do that. Massive thing, and we'll get into that. They don't do that particularly well for whatever reason this year. Much worse than last year almost across the board for them. And another thing is... His dump in recoveries and it's called dump in recoveries and successful next play. Another thing the Leafs have not done very well this year. He is one of the better defensive defensemen in terms of executing that. So what exactly is it? Like what? Like explain that. So sorry. it's like so entry for, go from entry denial. So an entry denial is just essentially it's any time you break up an entry into the zone. Yeah. yeah. So when the player has initiated carrying the puck in, the amount of times you're able to either whatever get a stick check, get a body check and change possession, or just stop them from having possession. And that's effective because when you have good
0: players with the puck, even if they're just able to get in over the line and get a little bit of space, they're able to create
1: offense. Exactly. And then, obviously, the dump-in recoveries with successful next play. It's important because a lot, of, a lot of D, you know, they're big bodies. They can get to the puck, but it's the Zaitsev thing. right? Remember when Zaitsev, at the end of his tenure in Toronto, it's, man, he, he, can't, two pass, broken wrists. he can't pass the puck out of the mm-hmm. zone. And we've had a bit of struggle with that so far, especially in the last couple of games. Leets have been hit. Justin Hall. Justin Hall is one of the worst defensemen in the league at that by this metric, by the way. But, so it's the amount of times that you're able to recover the puck and then make a successful either pass or carry out of the zone after. And Ilya Labushkin does a really good job with that. So those are two little numbers for you, little behind-the-scenes numbers. Maybe look at why Kyle Dubis acquired him because we don't do the— There's a lot of our defensemen that are kind of middling at that this year. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, another thing we talked about is his ability to sting out in front of the net, be physical in front of the net, throw the body. These are all good things. You know, Zach Bogosian did a good job for us last year doing that on the third pair. I think he's probably even a little better than Zach Bogosian was last year. I do. I don't think, I don't know if that's going to translate to top four minutes, but I think if you look at his numbers, in execution, defensively, he's better than Zach Bogosian. I think Zach Bogosian may be a little more, I don't want to say responsible with the puck, but I think Lubushkin is better. Was he was quite He I was. I agree. He's a very smart player. He was time. very smart, and he was pretty disciplined too. Um, but, yeah. yeah. that That's my breakdown of him. For, and, you know, we, we luckily got to see him against Columbus. I thought he had a pretty good game, obviously, other than... It's unfortunate. He had a bit of an error on the offensive blue line. What did you think of that, his game tonight? I thought he was
2: fine. I thought I really liked the idea of him being paired with Sandin because, again, those are two guys who are... Like, that's kind of the perfect guy you want with Sandin, right? And Labushkin... From his time in Arizona, he played a lot with Oliver ekman Larson and he played a lot with uh, Jacob. Jacob Chitrin. So those are both two great puck-moving defensemen, and and kind of like more offensive D. And it seems like he's like a, almost a good anchor for those guys. And just one thing quickly that I wanted to pull up, like a- according to like both Evolving Wild and Jay Fresh's cards, like he is almost like a very similar, maybe more of a light version of David Savard. And remember what Tampa was paying for last year to get David Savard. I'm not saying that it was an overpay by any means. But, again, we're getting a really, like, solid stay-at-home defenseman for essentially, like, a third round, or, or second-round pick. Which, was, But
1: it's not even equal to that because we talked about this a little on the last podcast. Like, usually the, the conversion rate is, like, you trade a fourth this year for a third next year. Mm-hmm. I don't know what a second in four years is worth. Yeah. I haven't done that conversion, yeah. but... It's kind of like we traded – all we traded really was a third and fourth, and we were able to shed Richie, and you get a guy who's going to be very useful as your – looks like your four, five, six D-man. That's hmm. – this is – and deservedly so, Kyle Dubas got a lot of praise on Twitter for the deal. A lot of people, if you're not really into hockey, some more casual fans, maybe you don't understand why. I think all our listeners are pretty – Yeah. Pretty into the Leafs specifically, so you can see why. This is just an easy trade for Dubas to make that, A, it makes the team better this year, and it sheds cap for next year, too. Everyone's like. happy in this situation. Everyone's happy. So yeah. it's a 10 out
2: of 10 trade. Yeah. So uh, let's... Sorry, I, I kind of went a little off topic there. But yeah, back to the game, I think... Again, I thought they played strong tonight. I wasn't... I, I'm not sure. I think I think at one point, he was actually leading the team in Corsi 4 percentage and expected goals, expected goals percentage. So him on the ice, it was pretty solid. There was just, that, again, yeah. that one gaffe. He kind of... Again, but that's that's someone who hasn't practiced with the team yet. He's kind, he's still, still new, filling out his Canadian exactly. paperwork. Exactly. So, yeah, I I thought he played a pretty good game, out of that one little instance. And I'm and I'm excited to see this pair going forward because they could be a good, um, like spot filler for now for when uh, while Jake wasn't hurt for the second like our second line D.
0: Exactly.
1: What else? Exactly.
2: Any other thoughts about the game tonight? Like, there was a I t-
1: do you want to go game by game, or like kind of do a moratorium on like what they're doing wrong right now in the three games? Let's what do. You do let's do a summary, like a, a moratorium. I so let, let's go top to bottom right now. Forward group. I mean, let's that's start. three losses in a row. Too. Yeah, and Ugh. luckily for the Leafs, extremely lucky Nashville came back against Florida mm-hmm. and won that game in regulation. So the Leafs actually, like, honestly, for me, all I'm looking at is Florida. Like, no, like you can ag- agonize game over game, standings. Leafs are making the playoffs 100%. I'm telling you, it's, impo- it's almost impossible yeah. for them to miss the playoffs. And they're most likely going to play Tampa Bay unless they can catch Florida. Mm-hmm. So even I'm not even looking at Tampa Bay. Like, whatever. If Tampa Bay ends up passing Florida, great. We play Florida. That's fine. I'm looking at Florida. So we actually gained a point on Florida. That's positive spin number one. But I want to ask you guys: What are you seeing? Let's start with: Can we go forward? D goaltending is that is that a good way to do it? You think? Yeah. And then we can timestamp like that too, and everyone can see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So from the forward group, what do you guys see in the last three games? And you, we can extend it because I think we pointed it out in January they were winning, not their best hockey. Sheldon yeah. Keith said it too. Yeah. A little bit of an easier schedule. Yeah. So forward group, what do you guys think?
0: Uh, in terms of the forward group, so I've got here the the second line is still. Still struggling, I would yep. say. Oh. Uh, you, they got the two goals in St. Louis. A couple good transition well, let, let's goals. Let's say
1: like, you got William Nylander in those two goals, right? Yep. Like,
0: well, so they had – well, I mean, when we looked at the two goals, John Tavares, pretty good breakup, and then just pucked to William Nylander up the ice. The second goal was a nice transition play by Alex Kerfoot, and then he threw a nice pick on the defenseman. No, I, I nice agree. I, to-
1: I'm, not, I'm not underestimating it. I'm just yeah, saying like, – He's got a good shot. He's, he's, a, he's a good player.
0: He's a good player. Unfortunately, it's, it's it's been a bit of a rocky couple, few last games. But he he got a couple nice goals there. But I mean, just against Montreal, we saw the results dash two, with not many shots.
1: I believe they also got benched for a bit in that game. Probably Montreal. Their time yes, time on it ice was like very low,
0: and. I mean, it was it was ugly tonight. It was a bit more of a bounce back. You saw William Nylander in transition on a breakaway, got stopped, and then John Tavares on the one timer got stopped. They were getting their chances there uh, on the power play. They've still been pretty effective,
1: I would say. As I, I well. would say tonight it almost looked like it was leaking into the power play a bit. Like Nylander, I don't want to say he looked lost, but he looked like he was struggling to find maybe his spot. There was one particular power play uh, where they try to set up that low three on one against one D yeah. where he was just on the wrong side of the net. Oh. And that's like little things like that. It's not even his fault. It's like when it's not going well, you're all, like everything's he's going wrong. Even Taver is like he was, he was, he blocked one of our own player shots at one point. <laughs> he was missing the net. He was, he's getting good tips. He hit, tipping the, glass a lot. He hit the glass a lot tonight. It's one of those things where. Shout out some guys. Who, a lot of people said it on Twitter. It's the grip and the stick too hard for Terriers yeah, right now. That's yeah. what it is. You can see it.
0: And I mean, Nylander against Montreal. The first power play that they got, he got a really good just one-timer by op- opportunity from Morgan Riley, Blew it right by. Pretty the open. Net, and he net was too. just. He was you know, rattled. Like, yeah. Damn it! And that's that's after a two-goal game. I mean, it's really weighing on them, I and mean, you can see it. Like, again, what do you change the utilization of this line more? Do you what is
2: I I honestly I don't know. I think
0: do you keep riding it out because it feels like they're almost on the cusp of something?
2: I think maybe ride it out just because like Again, like some of these guys are just not like like John Tavares. He hasn't scored in ten games, and I think that's like a career. That's a, that's that's a career record for him. That's the most amount of games he hasn't scored yeah. in his career.
1: It's got to be. It's, you pointed it, it out. We saw
0: on on the highlights even there was, was a ticker of how long. When was the last time John Tavares shot the puck? Yeah, now,
2: forty eight minutes. minutes, which is multiple games. By the way, like <laughs> that's not like I don't. I, I assume that's not like I assume that's time he's on the ice. Maybe. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I would it assume is. so yeah, yeah. because but,
0: 48 minutes in a game it's like yeah, it's kind of weird oh, yeah, cuz he's not on the ice. Yeah. <laughs> but
2: um but yeah, so this with the second line in particular, I agree. I think that's that line is like again, kind of the biggest pain point because our first line is doing what they're supposed to be doing, right? We're that that's like a two-way dominant line that can get a lot of points and like they're they're winning the possessions, right? They're they're winning when they're on the ice, they're winning the goals. Mm-hmm. The second line I think is like, like we said the biggest issue. The third line, fourth line, I think they've been okay. Right. Like, I think they've yeah.
1: actually been like, you know what? Like, this is an easy nitpick, but it feels like some of it feels like that Montreal series where like our depth just disappears. At mm-hmm. times. I got into your brain. You got I into know? my brain so bad because like I'm watching this game tonight and I'm like, if Matthews, Marner or Bunting don't score a goal, we're not scoring. a goal. Yeah. 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 That's what it felt like. I don't know if the stats back that up. I don't know if the numbers back that up. But that's, Probably. It's funny because it's so quick, the depth can go from a strength to a weakness for you, yep. right? So, and that's just, that's just the variance of hockey sometimes.
0: That's what we were saying last year. Remember, at points, Thornton had eight points in his last seven games. At points, uh, Wayne Simmons had five goals in his first 12 games. But then come playoffs, Thornton was invisible. Simmons had two good games, and it's like – all right, that's part of the depth. And then on top of that, Pierre Engval, we see him get hot and cold. Ilya if you see him get hot and cold. Like, you're right. It it, it can really go up. The it's most, really cons- going the up most and down.
1: consistent player in our bottom six is David Kampf. And Jason Spatson.
0: Kasha at all, you think? I think been cold, cold. Kasha's be been cold. So cold. Jason's got great. So again, steps.
2: yeah, like I, I kinda prompted this because like I think the fourth line has been like again, they're the fourth line. I think they've been okay. I think they've stepped up, but um I think the second and third line are more where I the issue concerned. is coming from? Do this so, as like a quiz way? Yeah. So again, so let, let's start this from the top. Before you it?
0: say, before you get into it, Jason Spezza, in terms of reliability, I want to say the five-on-five five numbers do fluctuate a lot. I think in terms of reliability, it's just his skill set. Yeah, because like, he saw able- it the last six-on-five. Yeah. He, sh- he puts in a goal. Right. You're gonna get games like the Minnesota game. You need a goal. Put Jason Spezza yeah. out there on the top of the circles or wherever. He's gonna. He, he'll give you a very good chance to score a goal.
1: Quick one for this before you go Jason. If you look at his on-ice shooting percentage, right? It's a good stat to see mm-hmm. how you know how the guys are performing around and how he's performing. His first two years in the least with the least 10.2 to 11.3. That's abnormally high for a fourth liner. And that's yeah. not luck. That's just cuz he's good. And that's where your consistency comes from, right? Whether the Five on five analytics: the shots mm-hmm. are are up and down. It doesn't matter because his finishing ability and his passing ability to yeah, give other guys slap pass to give other guys good looks makes him so effective. Oh yeah. Okay, uh, so let's,
2: let's let's throw this up. So uh, again, I, I'm looking at the last uh, sixteen games right now. Okay, this is going to be over a span of 15, 16 games and so five. What's that dated? Uh, so that is, I believe, that's the day that Mitch Marner came back. I think that's the day after the Arizona game. Um, okay. I think because it's
1: been basically other than it's been the same forward group from then on. yes yeah. yes
2: i i believe that is uh again like the, the that game was uh january 12th the next game was against the blues january 15th so from we're, we're, we're talking about from then on okay so i want you guys to guess right now quickly quiz the top three forwards uh, sorry the top three forwards in points for the leafs at five on five our top three players, at not five forwards. on five. Yes, at five on five.
0: Matthews Marner, uh, Matthews Marner Bunting. There you go.
2: So Matthews has 17 points in 16 games. Marner has 16 points in 16 games. Bunting is 13. Five points on five at That's five nice. on five. That's, good stuff, That's pretty right? impressive. <laughs> That's okay. So now I want you to guess who is fourth. Now this is all, of all 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 players, not just forward and D, but at it's five a forward. On to five, give you a hint,
0: yes. I want to say Kerfoot. Close. He is fifth. Um.
2: Uh, uh, Jason Spezza uh, No Close Okay one more guess And I'm going to tell you Higher or lower And Probably that's where they are In the lineup essentially no. Where I think they are In like the pecking order
0: Andre Kasha Lower Oh uh, So he's lower than Andre Kasha Yes Is it Wayne S- no, oh, Pierre Engvall
2: Pierre Engvall Pierre Engvall is Fourth on in our team Pierre Engvall is five four? on five scoring He has What's eight the points What's goals, split Goals assists. He has four goals th- And uh, four assists he has eight points in the last 16 games, and he missed the game. That's good. That's he, actually he only, very good. That's <laughs> good in one way,
1: and that's terrible in, <laughs> in another way. So,
2: again, he's also only playing 163 minutes compared to, like, where our second and third line guys are p- playing around 200 minutes, okay? Yeah. In, in that in that time span, time span. And he's missed the game, okay? Fifth, like I said, is Alexander Kerfoot. Sixth and seventh, I'm not even going to let you guess because they're defensemen. So, Angval is... Wait, four- what? Yes. Yeah, so Engvall is fourth, in, and remember, this is five-on-five five points. Engvall is fourth with eight points at five-on-five. Five. Kerfoot is fifth with seven points at five-on-five. Five. Morgan Riley and Timothy Lilligan are, are sixth and seventh respectively with six points, five-on-five. Five. Oh Do you know who ninth is?
0: John, uh, William Nylander? Not even? Yeah, eighth is Nylander,
2: right? Eighth, Sorry, eighth is William Nylander. It's a one, two, three, four, four three, four-way tie for 8th with 5 points between William Nylander, David Kampf, oh, John
1: Tavares and Ilya Mkheev. Wow, that is so that David is Kampf
0: is wildly outscoring our second line in the past 4 I'll games. I'll
1: say this, that is the best stat surfing we've done on that on this podcast. And again, wow. I'm the I I wanted to li- I was originally just
2: did this for the second line, but I wanted to lump the third line in as well because again, they're not really scoring as much either. David Kampf Doing as much as he can, but again, he's I wonder not. What
0: the the goals for goals against is for that? I, 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 I It's I supposed it's, to be a defensive mm-hmm. specialist line. So David
1: Camp's going to get selkie votes. Like I, sw- he he deserves it. Yeah, but he's,
2: he's been exceptional. Yeah, I, I can get you those stats in a no, second. No, but even but the like time. you're Just
1: telling me David Camp in his minutes, which is the exact opposite deployment of Tavares. Like David Camp is playing Crosby. He's playing. Ryan O'Reilly, I'm trying to think who we've played recently. Like He's playing against the top centers. Tavares is getting 70% offensive zone faceoffs, and he has the same amount of five on five points as David Kampf. Oh, my God. That is unacceptable. And again, that is your problem with your forward group right now. I think so, yeah. The okay. middle of the lineup. Is not giving you anything. Because honestly, let's say this. Even though Conf is a third liner, yeah. in terms of scoring reliability, he's last on what you expect. Yes. He yeah. should be last in every 10 game stretch. He cannot be like in your top six best forwards in terms of point production over 16 games. Yeah.
2: Yes. And I and I want
1: like again, this is again 16 games, but again,
2: this should be this isn't like the be all end all. We're not saying these guys are bad. They just again need to step it up. And like, who knows? Maybe they could get a little bit of a regression, right? Because uh the individual expected goals for both William Neal and John Tavares are around... Th- or for John Tavares, it's 3.59, which
1: would be, I think, third in the team. So he's generating... Yeah, but that's... Here's the thing. I agree. He's generating the chances, but that's not the issue because I'm watching him tonight blow shots from the slot 10 feet over the net. Yeah. Wow. David Camp has five points in his last six games.
0: Is that correct? No, no. it's not. He's no, been it's hot. Not, but
1: yeah so again like they they are
2: generating expected goals, and their shooting percentage is is doing is poor right now, but again like this 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 stuff hopefully corrects itself, but again they they're, this is not enough this is not this is not their best play, this is not enough. we simply need more from them that's that's the bottom line, oh. especially the second line third line. Could improve a little bit more. David is carrying that line there are, right Four
0: but. points in his last five games for David. Cameron. Amazing
2: with a beautiful pass, by the way. I, I originally thought that was oh. Mitch Marner today. I'm actually not even joking. <laughs>
1: well, it was to Matthews. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, but so that like we'll get into the trade deadline stuff after this. So yeah. there's there's a problem we need to solve right now. Is yes, and I'm not saying it's Kerfoot's fault, but I could see Kyle Dubas saying, I need to add a spark plug to that second line. I don't know who it is. We'll look at some options. But mm-hmm. I can see where now that you've got Lubushkin and maybe Muzzin ends up on LTIR and you have a lot of flexibility, we'll maybe see. there's someone, a big I think it was Carlo Koliakva pointed out this
0: is his second concussion in not that long. Uh, they, and I'm not
1: time. even saying this for like, oh, we're going to circumvent the cap Kucherov. Like, I hope even if he's not out all year, like he needs, like it's dangerous, man. Yeah. It's dangerous. Yeah, he hit his head hard. He was yeah. knocked out. Mm-hmm. That was scary. Like he needs like he stayed in Montreal Hospital. He needs to like really slow it. Like even Tavares, like he was skating in the first round and that was like, oh man, like Yeah. He was skating very soon. You gotta you gotta give My it brother some time. who's not a hockey fan was just like what that that makes no, sense. Makes no <laughs> sense. Um so that anything else on the forward. So
2: yeah, another another thing and I don't wanna I'm not trying to beg on the second line, I'm just gonna like try and show how like they do need to improve in all areas. Not just we we touched on that they need to improve offensively. That's what they're here for, right? We're not gonna. I'm not gonna try and drag them defensively. But you you asked what the goals for percentage was. So on on the ice right now with John Tavares, William Nylander, we touched on it a bit last uh, last week with throughout the whole season. But over the last 16 games, John Tavares has been on the ice for nine five on five goals and 19 five five on oh. five goals against. Oh, William oh. Nylander eight five on five goals for 19 five on oh. five goals against. That's like that's just isn't good. And and the expected goals battle they're they're tied right now. They're at fifty percent. That that this the, those are guys who should be at like a fifty-four yeah, fifty-five percent with their hundred percent and their offensive output. That's what it should be. And they're just not they're not getting that. They're not. And that's again, that's an issue. And I, I don't know if we address that if, if that's gonna be addressed at the trade deadline. And and it sucks because if it if it is, I'm gonna kinda segue into something else I was thinking about. If we do address that, if we end up getting an, a, a second line winger, to play with those two guys, assuming we don't split them up, mm-hmm. uh, what what happens to Kerfoot? Do we keep him? Is it worth it to keep Kerfoot for? He, mind you, we signed for another year after this year. If mm-hmm. we acquire a guy to play on that second line, is it worth it to keep Kerfoot? Because again, we've seen him not like we've seen times where he's been off that second line and he goes on the fourth line. Is it worth it to keep a player who makes three and a half million dollars with our cap situation for for another year if he's going to be playing fourth line minutes?
1: So it's it's a great question. I don't think we have a good answer for it now, too, right? No.
0: Like if if you pray, there's been times where we've been very, very high on Alex Kerfoot. But it's just like it's kind of an unfortunate situation that you need to. Like if you can get
1: the guy in Vancouver, I think you're probably. We'll leave his name at the guy in Vancouver. Yeah, I think you're you're more comfortable. But if it's. Mm A guy, I don't know, a guy who's maybe just marginally better than Kerfa, it's like, man, is it worth it? Who knows? Like, you got to weigh that, that, that opportunity cost. We were yeah. saying the same thing about Hall last week, right? Hall, Hall versus Sherrod. If you have to give a first round pick to get marginally better. So, but I think that's a great summary of the forwards. Yeah. And so, um, the like, D. That's a good way to wrap it up. The D.
0: The defense. The number one thing that I've noticed with the defense over the past few games, they've even said it on the broadcast, they give up the blue line way too easily. Just the Leafs in general, there was a play in the first period of the Montreal game where Petrie sent a puck up the ice to Laurent Dauphin. He was at the blue line. Laurent Dauphin fumbled the puck. Brody was there. He backed off of him. Dauphin fumbled the puck at the blue line. He looked around. He couldn't find the puck. It was in his skates. He recovered, and he was able to enter the zone with time with the puck. And make a play. And make a play that led to a scoring chance, and nobody touched him.
1: That's not like
0: good. That's just unacceptable. And then a few times tonight, you see, I, I was able to clip one Riley play that was a great example, separated line A from the puck, but then who was on the ice for the line A goal? Which one? The the fir- the his first goal. The three on three, whatever that's that's three no, on three. It it's was different. a change. They ch- it was, was it, it was Dermot? Brody changed. Because for that Dern. was some awful gap control. Yeah. There were so many you can if you want to teach a young defenseman how not to control the blue line, show them the Toronto Maple Leafs the over the past few games because
1: it has been atrocious. And it's something we've locked in on. They, have, they either have guys who do it, and then there's guys that just they, they don't do it. Like I, I love know. Rasmus Sandin. He just, he's one of the worst defensemen that plays a regular shift at denying the blue line. Yep. Justin Hall, who was pretty good at it in previous years, has been a below average at it this year. Mm-hmm. And again, you're on our shutdown pair. You don't pass the puck that well. You don't score that much offensively. If you're not denying the blue line and protecting the front of the net, what are we doing?
0: Did you see uh, Justin Hole's back pass on
1: Montreal's first shot? Justin Hole had a had a really rough night against Montreal. That was yeah. that I, was awful. I personally disagree. I think you, he was I think the you're only looking... forward not, or sorry, only defenseman not to get scored on, and he was on for both goals. You, you, Again, that's awful. a ball. He he was. You got a. This is one of those where like the on ice was very evident. He was a disaster, and that's why he was a healthy tonight. Okay, I, I, I the this, first shift he tries to do
0: a drop pass with. Pressure on him to Austin Matthews. He gets picked off. Montreal goes the other way for a breakaway. His second shift, he fumbled the puck in his own end. They ended up with a
1: scoring chance. His third shift, I believe he took a penalty. He right now what he's doing as well that is driving me insane. He's overhandling the puck. It's like you can't make a pass. Why are you there's some plays where he's like, okay, Exit exit, exit, and he wraps it back around the net, and then we turn the puck over. He's way too slow to be doing that too he's i I understand Sandy and lilligren are really good at it, but they can actually skate I understand some of the underlying numbers are fine he's been average as an underlying as underlying numbers, but it's like the reverse spetsa like Spetsa's results are fantastic because he's so good offensively. Hall is the opposite. He's been so prone to big event negative plays due to his inability to make an exit pass, and I think he's way too soft in front of the net. That play by terrible. Nick Suzuki, too, where Suzuki hits Hall a completely clean hit. He hit him hard. He's smaller than you. You got rocked. Spezza goes to stick up for him, and Hall third man's in the fight. I bet that's probably a reason why he got benched, too, because, like, dude, you got rocked by Nick Suzuki and your third man. In- like, kind of dirty third man inning this fight. Like... What do you do? He look like a a, a complete re- clown. It was it was a rough look for him. So yeah, I mean he's. He, Elliot Friedman said like they might look to trade him. I totally believe it. I think, th- I think if Kyle Dubas could do it, he'd completely remake the bottom two right D of his of his yeah. team. And mm-hmm. he's already done it with one spot. And I would not be surprised if he goes back at it.
0: Yep, I agree. So so giving up the blue line and then on top of that, I mean, did you have another point? I'll get into the second one I have with the D. They're soft in front of their net. Mm -hmm. They're (laughs) very, that's an understatement. They are wildly soft in front of their net. I'm glad Labushkin's here because he, 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 he'll help to add to that. But like there was a couple plays where it's just like what they're soft just in general, I would say in their defensive zone, you pointed out a play was on the fifth goal in the, in the St. Louis game where the puck goes down into the corner, right? Brody's battling for the puck. Nylander's there for support. Brody leaves the puck for Nylander. Nylander kind of just like, kind of leans for it, doesn't. And then Brody takes the puck back for some reason. I don't understand why. And then Ryan O'Reilly just kind of puts his ass out and is able to get a tip in for the fifth goal to to put the nail in the coffin for the game. And then on top of that, just like just the, the way that St. Louis moved the puck in our offensive zone off the rush, too, was just like, what are you guys doing out here? Where are you going? Like, there was a play, they came in, it was, I believe, Cairo threw a pick on, he successfully threw a pick on two different guys at one time, and St. Louis walked in for a good chance. Like, how are you not fighting a little bit? How are you not, I don't know, like, giving a little shot? How are you not, like, fighting through checks like that? Like, PJ Stock tweeted, oh, the Leafs are soft when this turns out to be, when, when we get to playoffs and it's more of a rugby game, the Leafs are getting beat out. And it really made me think, because I don't like generalities, like, oh, the, they're soft, that's why. We'll get into that a little bit more. And so I started to think, okay, at the opposing blue line, they weren't able to get it in very well against St. Louis. And then at our own blue line, it's an open door. And in front of our net, it's but also, an open door.
1: not for anything, Jason's been saying for four weeks that we're soft mm-hmm. in front of our net.
2: Literally, How, when was the first that. time you brought that up?
1: Yeah, I think it was like a couple. It was a couple you brought weeks it ago. The stat, yeah, yeah, it yeah, was I remember just. That it was, was again. Like I,
2: I think what I said was just go through naturalstattrick.com. It's a great website. You can go to the, the by team. Look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, and you can go through every single game. They have under every game they have something called a heat map, and it's simple. All it is is just where the shots are, are coming from. Every time there's a shot, it's a little little mark on the heat map, and it shows you. And it. Th- Early on, early on in the season, December, November, October, we were doing a fantastic job of covering that little area just below the slot in front of the crease and not allowing shots from there. Since, again, since January, it feels like that's that's been our like that's been a a big issue defensively. Like you guys said, like you can see it, you can literally see it with your own eyes by looking at these heat maps. It's it's very simple. It's no nothing fancy. It's just again, just just where the shots are coming from, and they're so concentrated in front of the net. It's it's. It just isn't good. It's It has to be improved upon. And thankfully, we got Labushkin, who is definitely going to help with that. And it kind of looks like by tonight's shot map against Columbus, it, maybe
1: his impact's already we're already see, see, starting to see his impact. Excuse me. So I think Justin Hall's the, like, I agree. Sorry, Jason. Mm-hmm. I yes. totally agree. Like, got to be way better in front. That's one of the top two things for me. For me, it's better in front, better exit passing, better on X. Because it, it's too many times. Muzzin Hall specifically, where we're getting hemmed in because we're not making good outlet passes. Some of that's on some forwards too, but mostly on the D. When I look at Justin Hall, so I, okay, his metrics are good. Not good, average. He's like literally an average defenseman yeah. according to the expected goals, shot metric numbers. But let's get into like the the micro and macro of his game, like actually on the ice. What is Justin Hall doing well this year? Nothing feel like he just does a lot of things mediocre. That's like But like last thing. year he was mm-hmm. a good first passer. He was a reliable first passer. At least we had that mm-hmm. and he did a pretty decent job at denying entries. Yeah. Or at least forcing dump-ins last year. Mm-hmm. This year he, his first pass has been like from awful. from game 1. From game 1 has been just awful. From the
0: preseason.
1: <laughs> and his entry denial rate is in the bottom half of the league. So we gotta find. Justin Hall's gotta figure it out. What's your niche? What are you gonna do well? And if he can't, he's gonna be traded, a hundred percent. If it's not him or Dermott this summer, one of them's gone. That's just do the do the do the math. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one of them's gone, and it, Dermot's been a lot better. Dermot, yeah. Here's the thing: Dermot is one of the best defensemen, believe it or not, in the league, tracking wise at denying rushes. Believe it or not. One thing, watch Dermot does this so well. Watch how he utilizes his forward skating on these entry denials. The reason that a lot of guys give up the zone is they're skating backwards in a straight line, and it's just easy. Mm-hmm. He does a great job at pivoting because he's a great skater, and he can bang, pivot, skate forwards, and deny yeah, the he's, guy. He's aggressive. The problem with Dermot is not a lot of the other things in the game in his game are as advanced, mm-hmm. and he's he's a little undersized. And when he plays up in competition, as we've seen, it doesn't translate as well, mm-hmm. so that's the mm-hmm. problem with Dermott and i i i I think Dermott has a good skill set to stick in the league in a bottom pairing role. I'd even like to see him in a higher role, but again, for this team, we have big aspirations i i I don't know where the spots are if you're adding another defenseman
0: you need a I think the most obvious we're, we're seeing is that second line right d can it be bush can it be Someone else, it's it's probably not going to be
1: Lilgren. And I mean. Dermot and Hall have value on the way out, too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, let's say it's a middling team It's not a team that's out. Maybe yeah. a team that wants to do well next year and doesn't want to lose a ton of defensive depth mm-hmm. as we get closer to de Like, an Anaheim, for example. Let's say Anaheim, it's Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Oh, okay. You know, maybe we'll trade Manson or Braun, but, you know, next year we want to be good. Yeah. You say, okay, take Justin Hall, take Travis Dermot. You're shedding two or one and a half million. Mm-hmm. Helps with the cap situation. Yeah. So I uh, yeah like like I said Hall, Hall is a like a, a, on a middling
2: team he is a serviceable four five for them that's like that's what like, like and especially since he's only making two million dollars for this year and next year right so like yeah he he has a ton of value going out it's just again do, what do we want as our fourth right D do we want a serviceable guy or do we want a like we, we need an elite we need like strong players that 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 will take us to the next level you know yeah. like that's what's our, the yeah. biggest. Like the glaring difference between us and Tampa Bay right now, you know. Uh, Right now, it's you look at their decor, you look at our decor, and it's like it's not even close. It's a joke. Maybe we have a bit of an edge on on, in the forward group because Tampa lost a ton of depth last year. But again, our defense, like uh, like compared to theirs, it's night and day, honestly. And that's nothing against our top end guys like like Riley, like Brody, Mm -hmm. Muzzin, even Sandy Lilligan. They're great players, but again, their defense group is. Um, like studs and we got that we need to get to that level You'll if we want course.
1: you want to talk if a we want to se- be second pair that has some protect the front of the net yeah. win pucks in the corner how about ryan mcdonough and eric cernak oh yeah like that is that's a tough that team. is about exactly what you want us in, in a second pair defensive role they got surrogate on their third bearing yeah. like what are we doing th- this team is so stacked but i agree though jason you're 100 percent right I I didn't even talk about Bogosian. They have Bogosian as their mm-hmm. six seven. Like it's yeah, it's unbelievable. I like how that much point, that. you
0: made about like what are you going to get at your fourth fourth right D kind of pairing? Is it going to be someone serviceable versus a very good player? It's a great, point. and that really depends on what's what's your third guy lefty. Before it was Jake Muzzin. It was oh, we just need serviceable on the right side, but. Muzzin is either a out or b just hasn't been playing very well this year. I think you need a little bit more than what we were thinking before the deadline, at least before the like last month. Mm-hmm. What we were thinking, kind of, th- yeah,
1: right, no, absolutely, hundred percent, absolutely. Like, and you know, people were right. Hall was being carried by Muzzin. Yeah. It, it was, I'm not saying he's a useless player, but his, you know, his top game was a lot because Muzzin was doing a lot of the. the dirty work mm-hmm. and now Hall's not terrible like I still think people over like you said it's fair mm-hmm. like he's having a bad stretch but he's a very serviceable NHL yes. defenseman mm-hmm. I bet if we were a bad team by the way and he's like a two million dollar four four five with term you could probably get a second round pick maybe yeah. I don't know oh, squeeze a yeah. top mm-hmm. prospect not top but B plus B+ prospect but I agree Jay that's a great like what do you want do you want a, a question mark or do you want to shore that up and be wow this is a strength of the team you got Riley Brody, which is a great all situations. You got mm-hmm. an offensive player. You got a chameleon in TJ Brody. And then you have your shutdown pair with Muzzin or whoever, whatever. And it's a strong, strong pair. I think you're right. I think you got to shore it up any way you can. Mm-hmm. I remember Dallas's D when they made the finals too, right? They couldn't score that year. They couldn't score. Even in the playoffs, they couldn't score. They yeah. had, what was it? Heiskanen.
0: They had Heisken, Lindell, Vanessa Lindell, John Klingberg,
1: like, and then Jamie Alexiak on the sixth. They had guys, man, and it, I know we like our 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 smaller D that can move the puck. I love mm-hmm. those guys, but I agree. Like, have a strong second pair. I'm glad you brought up Dallas, and also
0: kind of relates to what I was mentioning before at that PJ Stock tweet. Look at who who did they have on their roster that didn't play that that well in the regular season. There was two guys, but. There's one guy I'm thinking of in particular. Didn't play that well in the regular season that year, but had a good playoffs.
1: Was Pavelski one?
0: It was what? It, yes, Pavelski was one. It's not the guy I'm thinking Klingberg?
1: of. Klingberg, no, forward. Jimmy Corey
0: Ben, Corey Perry, Corey Perry. Why was that? He's a complete rat in front of the net. Yeah. The next year, what happened? He was a healthy scratch. He was on waivers at the beginning of the year for Montreal. He had a good playoffs though. Why? He's a rat. There aren't. There are less as you mentioned in past episodes there are less rules in the playoffs it's time to accept that yeah you need very tough defensemen in front of the net to defend against those rats well
1: remember we talked about like even even Colorado struggled in yeah. the playoff slash against Vegas they couldn't they get, lost in the second round. couldn't get the puck out yeah and they said on the forecheck too I, I don't i don't agree with this it's like can you have Gerard and can you have Makar i disagree those guys are elite defensemen mm-hmm. but There's a different game in the playoffs, and some of that will be that Sam Girard has to adjust his game for that, right? Mm -hmm. But, like you said, does Eric Cernak have to adjust his game for the playoffs? No, the playoff adjusts for Eric Cernak, and he's better in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, because he's got that nasty. People
1: don't know a lot about him, but i just just watching him, looking at some numbers, like the way he denies the blue line. Wins, puck, battles, just a really, really solid defense. That team.
2: is like one of the most pivotal traits for that team that that's no an one un- ever talks about. Tra- unbelievable on, trade. They got, was it Ben Bishop in a third? Or sorry, they traded Ben Bishop
1: for him in a third, I think. Unbel- right? like, <sighs> it's is crazy. But. It's just, also, but then again, he, he, when they get into that system, the way they do things, it's championship level. Mm-hmm. And I think the Leafs can get there. So, but So on D, let's give a little summary here. We didn't talk Muzzin. Obviously, he got injured. I don't want to like mm-hmm. criticize his game yeah. too much, but I, it's hard to underestimate how much injuries are playing a role in that guy's yeah. game right now, right? Because last year he's one of the best defensemen in the NHL. We're yeah. talking Olympic team for him. Yeah, remember that. And it was warranted. He was unbelievable, but it's got to be tough in and out of the lineup. Different injuries. Like it, it's. I think it's affected mostly his puck handling. Yeah, his decision making. He's just not. It's almost like he's not fully at. He can never get fully at game speed. Yeah. He's always in and out of the lineup. So we'll see what happens. If he goes on LTIR, it's going to be, it's <laughs> buckle up. Like it's going to be an S show for the Leafs. Like it, they got to probably add yeah. a defenseman. Oh. It's the thing. Like everyone's like, put him on LTIR. Yeah. Then what What are you doing on the back end though? Who are you bringing in? Who are you bringing in? Cause yeah, it's I- uh, even a 50% Jake Buzzin. is no offense. He's better than Dermot and Hall and Logren right now. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah, like in the short term,
2: again, like I'm okay with Labushkin and, uh, and Sandin being our second line, but long-term that's not, and long-term, I mean, going past the trade deadline, like that's not a solution. That is just simply not, not the answer and expecting him to come muzzin to be out all year, come back, be up to game speed. Like you said, that's just recipe for disaster. So
1: hopefully we can see a move come soon, but I I think uh, they made one move. I I think it's probably even better than 50%. They make another one. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Okay. That's it's a good summary. That's a great summary. So let's So we're getting into any, the goal. Anything else? Now. Yeah.
2: You want to move on to the goals? Oh boy.
0: <sighs> it's uh ooh. Oh boy, it's been a ride. <laughs> we got a couple good games out of Jack Campbell. He was rolling. Then we go into St. Louis. I mean, tough like a, a few of those goals obviously are nowhere near his fault, but I, uh, I it was a personal shot in the groin to me when I saw Clem Costin go in one on one versus Jack Campbell, and I've been praising Jack Campbell's one v one save percentage kind of thing, and uh, Costin buried it on him.
1: <laughs> That's honestly, Joe. It sounds simple, but everything we've been preaching, like again, I'm not just trying to pump our tires here. It all goes into the into the pie, into this yeah. nice piece of blueberry pie. Yep, it's all that we got. Pieces. Defending the front of the net to start the year has gone worse. Okay, now mm-hmm. our save percentage is going down a bit. You're a goalie. As you start fighting the puck a bit, as, you, as your oh, save yeah, percentage he's... is going from 930 to 928 to 927 to 926, it's like, man, uh, it, is he going to stop every outside shot now? And unfortunately, we're getting to the point now, it's hard to read goalies. Again, we've talked about it. Jack Campbell's never never started more than 30 games prior to this year. It's a mental warfare to start 55-60 games for a goalie. It's hard to do. There's not. We've seen it. But Barofsky goes from a Vesna Trophy winner. They give him $10 million, and suddenly he—he's. He, they want him in the minors, right? It's tough to be a consistent goalie year to year. It's tough to expect 930 save percentage all year. I agree. Mm-hmm. But there's no doubt in my mind Jack Campbell's fighting it a bit right now. I can see it in his eyes. After the second goal, Wrote oh, in our little group terrible. chat. I said, the mentals right now for Campbell are just not... I I could just tell. They're just not there. No. And two goals on two shots in the first eight minutes of the third period. Like, that's those are deflating goals. Luckily, we came back. But again, Patrick Lyon has one of the best shots in the world. But you said it before the podcast. Teams play to give up that shot in overtime. Mm-hmm. If you give up a shot at the top of the circle in overtime, you're happy. Because you could probably... Either he'll miss, and maybe you can swing it back around the net, get an odd man rush the other way, or the goalie can just hold it and play the puck to your defenseman. He scored from the top of the circle in overtime. Teams don't even take that shot. We see teams take the puck back out of the zone from the top of the circle in overtime. So, I hate bagging on the goalies, but Mora- like Morazic was atrocious mm-hmm. against Montreal. Yeah, mm-hmm. atrocious. Yeah, and that's the problem. You paid it him three funny and a half
0: because he made a couple really good saves, and then like. That Caulfield goal can't go. That up. was terrible.
2: I'm sorry. Like he the way he slid across the net. You gotta That
0: Hoffman goal was horrible too. Mm-hmm.
2: Like there was at least three goal at least three goals in that game that should absolutely yeah. should not have gone in the net on an on an NHL goal. Like, like I liked it. So it was hyper.
0: funny on that goal, the third goal. It, uh, Hoffman gets the puck, he's coming in. It's a bit of a defensive breakdown and Lilgren's playing it and he gives Hoffman a little bit of room, but he's instructing, hey, make sure you can see him point. He goes, "Hey, make sure that pass is, is taken care of." And he's got a good distance to Hoffman. Hoffman takes a shot from the circles. Hoffman's got a good shot. It was just a wrist shot, and it went through Mrazic. I was like, "Ah, that's a that's a really shitty, tough one to give up there. Like that that's deflating. Yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, Two nothing you can fight back, sure. Three nothing after a goal like that. it's like, oh my God. Here we go. We're in for it
1: th- tonight. And like you said, you started off with it. it. It's when those, the Jack Campbell's automatic on the first shot to, mm-hmm. okay, he's letting in like one or two a night on the first shot. Uh-oh. And you They were combi- showing
0: his, his, his uh, rebound control stats. Uh, yeah. According to Money Puck, he's he's very good on the rebound control, which we've seen a lot of as well. Mm-hmm. But a couple, a couple of those first shots, there's, oh, he screened on that. It's like, okay, you have to find a way around the screen. I'm sorry. Yeah. So,
2: yeah, I just want to run through on on some more numbers because I got I got some more numbers for the goalies too. So again, we're gonna go with the last sixteen games just because it's neat and tidy. Mm-hmm. Um, so first and foremost, something that's not good is Jack Campbell' save percentage is eight sixty eight in that in that uh, sixteen game stretch where he played ten games. One of them he got pulled. So pre- Peter Mrazik had seven games because he came into mm-hmm. relief for uh, Jack Campbell. His save percentage is eight eighty three. That's simply not good enough. But again, the goalies—they won us a couple of games earlier in the season. I think our team can do a little bit more to help them out. But at the same time, this is a bad stretch for them, and it's it, it's almost a bad stretch for the entire team. Yeah.
1: Um.
2: Another another number I want to look at is goals against average. We're giving up on average three and a half goals a game over that stretch. So I. I Again, team team level issues, not just goalies. I don't wanna I don't wanna I'm not trying to bring up these stats to specifically beg on the goalies, but it's a team level issue. And Jack Campbell simply like like we said, since January, he hasn't he hasn't been what we saw earlier in the season. And I don't know if that's like I I don't know the mentality of being a goalie. I've never played goalie. Like how how would that affect you being on the shelf for a month and a half, kinda not doing anything? I feel like that would affect you greatly. Has to. And I feel like that's part of the reason as to maybe why he's not mm-hmm. doing so well, but there is one stat that I want to bring up that was glaring. So because, in terms of I just wanted to get yeah, sorry, in sorry.
0: terms of on the shelf, um, it really depends what kind of state you're in. It's so fluid in terms of depending on what's going on. Like if you're having a tough stretch, okay, yeah, that break really helps you out to mm-hmm. so reset whatever. Jack Campbell was rolling. He yeah. was on a hot streak there, he, and then oh. you run into two games a week, and then an All Star weekend. Yeah, that, so more breaks, yeah. and then it's like,
2: oh, God, like we we that, were that's tough, yeah. and we were like not. And just, now he's
0: into every other game. Mm-hmm. So it's like maybe maybe okay. Like Jack is going to be our guy in the playoffs. Give him three in a row, and then try to fit Mrazek in there here and there. Well,
2: yeah. Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say like we like. It's saying that he had a good start is kind of an understatement because not not just Leafs fans, but almost everyone in in the hockey community was throwing him out as a vezic a contender. He's
1: the all, he's an all star. He was an all star. Exactly. Yeah, he was an all star. Like he was having a fantastic season. Mm-hmm. But and, and the other issue is like we talked about this a ton in the offseason. Are they going to go one A one B or are they going to go starter backup? You paid Mrazek three seven or whatever it was. I don't know the exact number. Mm-hmm. He's got to be better too. Like the yeah. and these are also opportunities for Mrazek. I'm sorry. I don't think it's guaranteed one hundred percent that Jack Campbell starts. You see, Campbell's getting worse. If I am Mrazek, like you got a chance to get a bigger share of this net, and he's absolutely falling on his face. It's it's really unfortunate when you give a guy that kind of money to give me, you know, decent, not quite Michael Hutchinson, but you Might know, be better. I know, but like average, he's giving you average league backup right now. He's got 9, an eight ninety save percentage through yeah. ten. That's Michael Hutchinson. Yeah, pretty much. So, I know I, he's been injured, but again, you're, what you're paying him. He's he's our, you could, I mean, Tavera's been bad too, but per dollar he's been our worst player this year other than Nick Ritchie probably.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know.
1: I, I know it's harsh, it's, but we've had a lot of players not, play yeah. well. Yeah. And I, again, I it's not all his fault, but when you add the goaltending's gotten worse, we're giving up more chances in front, mm-hmm. we're struggling to break the puck out. The second and third line aren't contributing anything offensively the last 16 games. So right now what you've got is you've got one line scoring, you've got a somehow defensive-minded center who's put chipping in points. You've got Engvall, the goal scorer. you got Riley Brody playing well, Sandin jumping in on the rush, and that's it. That's Those are your positives the last 16 games. And William Nylander can still shoot the puck. <laughs> so, again, the goaltending needs to be better. And it's not... You know, it's hard to say you need to be better on rebounds that end up in front and we don't clear the puck, or you need to be better on Justin Holt turning the puck over and we have two mm-hmm. cycle chances against immediately after that. But like you said, when the shots that are unscreened and right in your face start going in, that's an issue.
0: Yeah. In terms of the Leafs actual goals against minus expected goals against. So that would be um, that would be essentially... A minus in this situation would be good. You're letting in less goals than what you would actually expect the goalie to give up based on the number of chances he's uh, been—based on the number of chances against. Uh, Since January 1st, the Leafs are second last in that— Metric. Oh, geez. Uh Last is New Jersey, who has been playing guys at the likes of Shved. They've, s-
1: they've used six goalies, 50 games. Mm-hmm.
0: And John Gillies, yeah. who they, they brought in off the streets, and the Leafs beat their brains in for 13 goals or whatever. They're, they're, this is that
1: five-on-five. Them or Seattle, worst goaltending numbers this year, I believe. Uh,
0: Seattle's been a lot better than us since January 1st. Yes,
2: and I have like a number that Evolving Wild tweeted out uh, earlier in the night. Um, in his and this is again going back to what we were talking about in Jack Campbell in the last the sixteen games right so in in his last ten starts which takes place over those sixteen games Jack Campbell has averaged a minus point two eight goals saved above expected so that's essentially a minus ten point whatever eleven uh, minus eleven goals saved above expected over those ten starts that is the this season there's only two goalies who have had a lower ten game stretch than that that is Grubauer who is Legitimately, in that stat, been the worst goalie in the league by a, a country mile, and and Caden Primo, who hasn't even played consecutive games, just been here or there, and he's just not a strong goaltender. So that is,
1: yeah, he's 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 young, struggling. But you get sorry. outplayed back to back nights by Samuel Montenblanc, and I don't even want to mess this guy's name up. JP Berube? Uh JF Barube.
0: JF, yes. When we you're giving pick-ups.
1: your goalies, you know your backup's making three and a half, and you're looking to give Campbell. We were talking six mil. Like, that's serious money. Six by six. That can't happen, right? So, and again, we're just analyzing the last little stretch. But yeah. the goaltending hasn't been good enough. Sam Montembo, who
0: I have probably have said in the past, he's one of the worst goalies in the league. I don't know. They, I mean, Montreal saw something in him clearly, and they were willing to go through the growing pain. So he's slowly getting better and better, I think. But um, he's still not someone that should be shutting you down. No. And then J.F. Barube, I mean, this guy hadn't played in the NHL since 2018. Should tell you a little bit about what your competition is there. And as you said, five goals, four total over two games. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you can't help but laugh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so, who else? Yeah. What other team but the Leafs? Huh? Yeah. It happens. Though. Again, it, we got a ton of hockey left. and yes. we'll see. Yeah. We, we've. We, I think we did a good job outlining yes. the areas to improve. Honestly, right? yes. if
0: the Leafs match up against Tampa Bay in the playoffs, Tampa Bay's best bet is to go out on the streets and get Curtis McElhaney to come back and play against them. And tell Curtis, don't play for a full month before you get here because the frickin' Toronto Maple Leafs, I guarantee, will Bury the puck so hard into your chest, you'll be bruised for a month. <laughs> oh man, isn't that a GM? I just honestly right
1: like I love I love the Leafs. I pick them in every series. They always lose. I would I would if I was a betting man. They are not like Tampa Bay. I would pick Tampa Bay to beat the Leafs. The, right that now, team is a yes. is a juggernaut. They can play any style. Like I do, really don't want to play them. If they have to, they have to. But. Yeah, so I think that's the moratorium on the Leafs the last sixteen games. I what's think- the
0: major thing if you were to say if the Leafs change this, they beat Tampa. What would it? What needs? What's the major pressing issue for the Leafs?
1: Uh, Jack Campbell needs to at least match Andre Vasilevsky play minimum because Vasilevsky, as I've said, is the be- is going to go down as one of the best goalies ever.
0: And he doesn't even catch with his. He catches with his dominant hand. He's so when you think about that. You do not throw with your right hand and catch with your right hand if you are right-handed.
2: I didn't know that. He
0: is left-handed. He catches with his left hand. This is from Kevin Woodley because when he was in Russia, his dad was a pro goalie too. He didn't
1: have access to a right-catching glove.
0: so He he, he he, just learned,
1: yeah. He just learned. Wow. You know how they say like you build a guy in the lab. That that's him. He's literally built in a lab. Three. Yeah. Six three, two twenty five, flexible, long arms, long legs. There's massive. No way six three. He is. He is. I, he looks like he's He six, has extremely long six, six, limbs. Four, like yeah. You can see his his legs and his yeah. arms are massive. And they bend. But there's one stat that Jason just asked me to look up, and I'm glad he did because this is this is a big one that I think the forwards. Remember the start of the year, first seven or eight games? What did we say the Fords were doing too much of? Cheating up ice, right? No, no, no. Sorry. Too much of? In terms of generating offense. like
0: At uh, the beginning of the year?
1: Is it almost like a systems change. It felt like Sheldon Keefe was emphasizing doing something more than what be, they used oh, to be. Oh, dump and low. chase. Dump and chase. So Jason asked me to look up the rush chances for the Leafs' full season versus the last 16-game sample we've been talking about. Full season, they're ninth in rush chances, which makes sense. They're usually in the top against, right? Oh, you, you want it against? or f- Oh, yeah, yeah. I did four, and I, I, it's, oh, okay. it's interesting. Okay, sorry. So this is rush chances four. I We know they've been dumping the puck in a lot, but we also know their big boys like to mm-hmm. rush the puck in and score. I think this is a great example of probably the second line making a difference. Full season, ninth, right? Mm-hmm. Last 16 games, 20th in the league in rush chances four per game behind the Ottawa Senators. Ah. <laughs> you got us there, Dave.
0: Yep. That was the other thing And the that that stat I mentioned earlier, actual goals minus expected. Ottawa is 3rd behind Colorado and the New York Rangers. Yeah.
2: That's that's a wow. that's that's definitely a problem. Like we got to be creating more off off the rush.
1: Maybe that's an identifier. Or start betting Ottawa. Well, I think our second line specifically, yeah. right? Like but that's I, I we've talked about it. Tavares' foot speed is like A tick slower right now, and it's changing things. The Mm -hmm. exits, the entries, they're different. So, that's true.
2: Interesting.
0: That's a good stat. Damn
2: it. Yeah, Mm. I like that. And I, again, like we're not saying these things because the sky is falling. We're not saying to go scorched earth. We, I think, we did a great job here of just identifying the areas that exactly, like you said, we need to that we need to improve on if we want to go deep into the playoffs. This right now is not. It's not. It's not good enough. And that's okay to say because I, I don't think this is I don't think this is the Toronto Maple Leafs. I really don't. I think they're a lot better than this. They've shown earlier in the season that they are a lot better than this. And I think they need to take a good look in the mirror. And if they want to be a team that goes on and has success in the playoffs, they have to be better. And I think if if they are able to, to get better in these areas, along with some hopefully some, some, some trades at the deadline that, that improve this team, I think I think it's it's gonna be a,
1: a good the right the, a step in the right direction. Another stat to throw at you. Yes. So I got D-zone denial rates. Full season, Leafs are 10th in the league. It's pretty good. Last 16 games, 23rd in the league behind the Chicago Blackhawks.
0: So they're just... That's, wait, How many last how many games?
1: The exact sample we've been talking about.
0: The last 16 games, they're 23rd in the league at denials against... Here's yes. the th- I'm telling you, these
1: are the things you got to look at to improve. Protect the front, protect the line, generate more off the rush, stop the shot when you can see it. Those are like the big things. I think that's the, that's
2: that's a great way of summarizing. Specifically what we off the rush,
1: for. it's the second line mm-hmm. because yeah. I I actually think our third line dump it in almost every time because they yeah. are relentless forecheckers. Yes. McKeever and Kosh are on that puck right away. It's not a big hit, but they're so good with their stick. McKeever mm-hmm. doesn't stop skating. Kosh doesn't stop skating at all, even if he's about to fall into someone. <laughs> So, yeah. I think those are good things to look for.
0: There's going to be a situation where Andre Kosh, is just like uh, a little wily coyote, just goes through the boards.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And he'll still
2: keep going. He'll he'll keep going through the tunnel. There doesn't have to be ice under anything.
1: He's going to just break the glass, but not like a luchy (laughs) chin. He just goes right into the glass. But, all right. Now we've talked about the issues. Are there any players that are solved for these issues? So we got... David Pagnotta, I don't know if I messed up his name. Penada Paisano. Yeah. He likes to throw cast a wide net, I will say. He's he's had scoops. He was the first one to break Tavares, to the mm-hmm. Leafs, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he said, I let's go one by one for these players. Okay. Ricard Raquel for the Leafs. Ooh. Ricard Interesting. Raquel. I wonder so how much that would cost.
2: He makes three point nine ish. Three point oh, I sorry, three point eight. He makes three point seven, blah 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 number, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah. So around let's let's just say around three point three point eight, um, yeah. So that that's that's what his salary is looking like right now. And if I think, do we like if I I would want to make more than one deal. So again, we'd have to have a guy kind of moving out if we take him in because right now at the deadline, a little bit of tidy work that Earl Schwartz has done on Twitter, he's kind of given us two scenarios for. Um, what the t what our cap space will look like at the trade deadline, and so if we we have currently twelve forwards and eight D on our on our um, on our on our, sal- on our on our books, uh, and if that stays the same till the trade deadline, we'll have about one point one million dollars in cap space. Uh, this second scenario, since the Muzzin injury, is a little more unlikely, especially if he's out until the trade deadline, but. Essentially, the Leafs could yo-yo both Sandin and Lilligan between the AHL and the NHL, and by having one of them down, they would be able to accrue an extra $1.5 million in cap space, bringing their total to $2.6 million. I'd say it's more likely that we'll be at $1.1 $1. 1 million. Or, in, or Muzzin will be on... Or, yeah, or or Muzzin will be on LTIR. So that's that's another scenario that kind of cooked into the mix. So, sorry, let's go back to Ricard Raquel. Yes. But just wanted to give that primer because there is... Again, there's a... We, like everyone likes to talk about our cap situation. Like it's not going to be hard for us to move up money. Now we, we got rid we got rid of our biggest problem. Dermot and, and, uh, Hall, I think are the two most likely to get moved if they, w- if we were to get a, get a player back. And I think both those guys combined make about around three and a half. So yeah, let's say one or two, if, if both of them get moved out, which is, which is likely, I don't know what you guys would put that at. I definitely, one of them gets moved out. That mm-hmm. brings you to around three and a half
1: million dollars, which is, and also the, close the to situation was. where I think this is not on impossible where Muzzin goes on LTIR opens up a lot of doors for a hundred percent. When you start to talk about retaining? You could get, you could get like for a five, two, $5 million players and retain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's seven and a three. So mm-hmm. Ricard Raquel.
0: I, I mean the past few years, the numbers have not been very good or actually the past two. It looks like last year and this year, the numbers have not looked that that good um, but when you look beyond that like 42 and 65 43 and 69 69 and 77 a 34 goal a year in there a 33 goal in there I't not I haven't watched enough of Ricard Raquel to really give a, a full profile of him but that would be interesting I mean he was rumored to be possibly moved last year I'm not sure why Anaheim didn't do that that they would have got a lot more value out of him but It'd be a decent ad. I think it would be an upgrade. Yeah. Is, mark? It,
2: is is that the kind of, like, we just talked, like, throwing it back to, like, what we talked about earlier in the
1: episode. Is that the type of upgrade where you move out Kerfoot? You keep Kerfoot probably, right? I think the three forwards we name here, if you could, I would keep Kerfoot with these guys. Okay. With and even if guys, that means okay. he plays on the fourth line, honestly. like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, that, if they want Simmons in there, uh, it's, like, push comes to shove, Engvall can sit. Like, it's not it, – he's been good, but I would sit Simmons. But Perch mm-hmm. comes to shove, like, I'd rather have Kerfoot than Engvall, obviously. Okay. Yeah. Um I see that. The thing with Raquel is he hasn't been scoring, but he still generates chances at a really good rate. You, okay, he's not a power forward, but that's kind of – got to think of that for style. Like, he's good off the cycle. He's He gets around the net. He's a, he can score goals, and I think could be a big help for the second line. He's not not really a defensive player. Mm-hmm. None yeah. of these guys, are, other than one guy, I think has brings some defensive utilization. But I, I think you may be buying low on Raquel here. That's why it's sneaky for me. Like I don't know if it's going to cost a first-round pick for him. It shouldn't. So, mm. I mean, you get that guy for a second. Get him to retain some salary. You fit him in, the Leafs, no problem. Yeah. I,
2: I wonder if the... Anaheim Ducks would take on like a, uh, almost
1: like a, a prospect uh, instead of a pick just because, but who would it? You're, you're like, right. It'd be Nick Robertson? Yeah, That's yeah. the guy. If I'm Anaheim, I'm like, wow, 20 years old, almost ready for the NHL. Yeah. No, never he's mind. a second round pick. So he's not a first round pick. Yeah. So yeah, let's, let's go with the pick there. then. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I like, I like Nick Roberts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like Ricard Raquel's game in that way. Yeah. I think he'd be a really good fit on the second line. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I, I agree there. Uh, and oh, compared
1: to the other guys, when I'm looking at the comparison, he's head and shoulders above in scoring chances, cycle chances, forecheck chances, all of it, mm-hmm. way above the other guys. So, Okay. All right. Including Kerfoot. I threw Kerfoot in here too to look at. Oh, we'll to compare. That's good. Uh, let's
0: hear the next name.
1: So that is Andrew Kopp from the Winnipeg Jets. Ooh. So that's one when I heard I kind of went like – Really? Andrew
2: Cobb? Like, has he been that good? And it turns out, like, after looking into some of his, like, metrics, he's actually been very, very good this year. He has pretty, like, pretty decent offensive impacts. last year. But his, his, sorry, decent offensive impacts, but his his defensive impacts are really strong. He has really strong defensive impacts, and he is someone who would fit in well with this team because he's a great penalty killer. One thing that we love to do is kill penalties, so... He is, uh, he plays a ton of minutes on the penalty kill, uh, way way more than the average PK one would, uh, for a forward. And uh, yeah, his impacts on the penalty killer are, are fantastic. So he's—he seems like a very like a, a positive player, like a, just a good overall player to to bring into this team. And I think this is someone where, if we do end up moving Kerfoot for a guy in, in Vancouver, and we can somehow get this
1: guy as well, it could be almost to negate the loss of
2: Alexander Kerfoot.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, again, Ker- Kopp is probably giving you more defensively. He's mm-hmm. probably, in terms of compared to Kerfoot, he's probably given you more in terms of puck retrievals. Even though Kerfoot's been good at it this year, mm-hmm. talking puck retrievals, dump in recoveries, he's pretty good at those things. Kopp has almost become a jack of all trades for Winnipeg. Like he play, He's played center in the past, he plays wing, plays on different lines first line, second line, third line. So I like his multiple utility for the Leafs, especially if you keep Kerfoot, because then you say, Okay, we could even have him like, wow, you put him on the third line, and you, 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 even if it bumps Mikheyev or Kasha down, or you even, wow, go Andrew Kopp on your fourth line. I know it's given up a lot for that situation, but it could help at any you, line on the on As the long rest. as you utilize him. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. again, you can throw him a couple shifts here and there, give him some shorthanded. Again, I'm not sure this is a guy that moves out Kerfoot, though. Okay. Hmm. If it is, he's got to play on the second line, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So, again, so true. Is, but... Okay, he's played center in the past, right? Mm -hmm. Is he a guy that you'd be willing to say, okay, we know your defensive impacts are good, you're good at face offs. Tavares plays wing and he plays center for you. Is that an option? That's what I brought up. That could be interesting. That
2: could be very on the second line. Yeah. So all right, listen. My my one thing about the second line though is I I know that maybe he has good defensive impacts, but I think I don't know if I'm thinking about this incorrectly but i think that i would prefer i know this is very pie in the sky but i would prefer if we do get a guy for that second line we do upgrade i i want just F it offense F it offense you know just go all in like because i don't know i i just i i don't know what the answer like i don't know if if one player alone can make up for the deficiencies that both Newlander and John Tavares are, are starting to have in their own zone. The
1: other thing with Kopp is I think Winnipeg really likes him. I think A, they're going to try to resign him. B, it's going to be like a pretty massive price tag. So,
0: yeah, he's he's been pretty good for them. They use him a lot.
2: And yes. he, 20 minutes game. He's a UFA. He's only 27 years old, entering his first
0: maybe, year. Maybe they use him so much. Does he play on the same line as the coach's son?
1: No, they've started using him less, though, by the way. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's funny. They That's started using Ehlers he, instead. He got exposed. Um, Third man. This oh, is uh,
0: before we get off that, uh the Winnipeg Jets are seven points out of a playoff spot. Is there anything better than beating
1: the anything better than beating the Leafs boy? Making but, the playoffs. How about that, Mark? But they beat the Leafs, who cares? Yeah. And now there's Shifley trade rumors. Oh, all right. Mm. What's better than beating the Leafs? Getting traded out of Winnipeg. <laughs> um Max Domi Literally. is name number three. Jason's been telling this name for a while.
0: Mm-hmm that's an interesting one i have no idea what to make of it so
1: so the one thing with max
2: domi compared to the other two players is that he does make 5.3 million dollars where the the others were about three and a half million dollars and another thing on top of that i know some people will just say simple retain so it's 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 small but his base salary this year is greater than his aav kind of similar to the richie situation if you were understanding that. So basically his base salary in his first year was, uh, was $4.6 million and his base salary in his second year, which is this year is $6 million. So that, that is 10, 10 million, $10.6 $10. million, which averages out to over two years to 5.3. And that is his AAV, right? Yeah. So when you retain salary, even though you're retaining on, the, on your, on, on your cap it, let, let's say it's two and a half million dollars, even though you're retaining that percentage, you're going to actually be spending more real dollars on the, on, uh on Max Domi's actual salary because he's making six. So if,
1: if you were to retain 50%, it would be, but the only thing, it's not that much. For this, I know. So I'm, I'm just saying just, so, it, so you're saying that it might be a situation where Columbus doesn't want, doesn't to retain, want to retain, which would it. make him a player that, Maybe it's out of our difficult. range. Yes. It yes. yes. would be more
0: difficult overall. So let's talk. Forward. What about the
1: player simply in, in Max Domi? I
0: haven't watched a whole ton of them since East he went to college. So Max
1: Domi's a high-skill player. Max Domi's yes. been a high-skill player his whole yeah. life. Put up 72 one year with Montreal. Max Domi can score points. He's a leaky faucet defensively this year. Mm-hmm. Numbers aren't good. Microstats, analytics, not good. So...
0: His playing time has gone down.
1: And even quarter, against imagine. these other guys, even versus Kerfoot, he's last in a lot of things, scoring chances. The only thing he's better than Kerfoot I'm looking at right here is rush chances. Yeah. Kerfoot's better on the cycle, Kerfoot's better four chances, four check chances on net. The only thing about Domi, he's he's got a little bite to him, right? So you are hoping that mm-hmm. comes through in the playoffs. A little bit like bunting with
2: the with the bite aspect,
1: and you yeah. know maybe he's he's he can transition a puck. Mm-hmm. Like maybe that'll help the second a line.
0: Domi in Toronto too. Yeah,
1: it's hard not to like that. I, I don't yeah. think he'll cost much either. I don't. Th- I think you are looking at a, a two three and maybe a three yeah. plus a mid prospect, even maybe a player swap. I, I think Jason wasn't that far off when he when he said Kerfoot for Domi. We all rolled our eyes. But if you are Columbus right now, it's like. They they are another team that probably wants as many guys ready to go as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is that a you know is that a Justin Hall destination? Is it? Uh, I'd have to look at their D.
0: I don't know. One thing to note with Domi, um, he sh- he has his shooting percentage this year is a career high, and he has okay. nine goals in thirty nine games. What is it
1: over his like career average?
0: His career it's average. Been fl- I know he's been fluctuating. Is ten point three, and he's at fourteen point five. Okay. And uh,
1: I I don't know if he's the, mm-hmm. the right fit. I, it would be mm-hmm. a luxury. I would not ship out Kerfoot and replace him with Max yeah. Domi. I know we said there's no way Columbus would give us Max Domi for Kerfoot. Kerfoot's been a better player this year. Yes, for 100%. a hundred percent by a lot. So yeah. and
2: when I said that Kerfoot
1: blew me out of the water. Blew me out of like yeah. After that, after I said that, he's like, all right, coming for you. But, so of those three guys, I would say in order for me, I'd have Raquel in like a tier one. mm mm-hmm. I'd have like Cop in like a tier two and then Domi like a tier four or five in terms of want, need. So those are all the guys that pegged Those mentioned? are the forwards he mentioned. Elliot Freeman mentioned JT Miller. I think JT Miller is mm-hmm. a fringe top 50 player in the NHL. He's really good. Really good offense. Really, player. really good. And the most important thing about
2: J.T. Miller is that he is like like all the players we just listed, he, or sorry, unlike all the players we just listed, he's not a rental. He signed for one more year which after would this be year, five point two five. Yeah, which is a very solid very price, very good
0: number. The but big again, thing is, Vancouver. It doesn't look like they have a dis- difficult decision coming up. They either are looking to move J.T. Miller, who is who has five two five for next year, or it's Brock Besser, who is upcoming. Um, he's an upcoming restricted free agent. However, his qualifying offer is at like seven point four.
1: So they'd be smart to move Besser, but every other team in the league would smart be smart to know mm-hmm. that fact, and yeah. they know because that because
0: Brock Besser can pretty much just take the qualifying offer at seven
1: four and then go to free agency. Yeah, and not only that, like, do you even want Brock Besser at seven four for, even for like a year? He's up and down because his big thing
0: is he has a very very good shot. That's per- that's so, that's the
1: maybe where the list ends on his elite traits, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's valuable, but we see that that could fluctuate very, in a playoff. We've seen Patrick Laine have a have goal streaks and we've seen him not be able to score like when it's shot only. He didn't I mean, I'll pull up the numbers right now, but he
0: didn't score at all last year. All of last year. And then at the beginning of this year he was struggling again. But guess what? He had two tonight, and I believe he's over a
1: goal a game in his past eleven games or ten games. Crazy, but the other thing about Besser is like, if you trade for him, what, te- what, what team is going to be able to give him a low ball offer when your agent has so much mm-hmm. leverage? It's yeah. why would I? I'll just take my seven five and walk. Yeah, like that's way better than your five million, six million dollar so offer.
0: Calgary's coming up with that with Kachuk. I mm-hmm. don't know what they're going to do. Pay there. him, man. He's such a good yeah. player. Like, I know.
1: Like just he, he's worth $9 nine million, ten but then million. Then you have Goudreau that's a UFA too. He walks. Uh,
0: that would make that's sense. A, but that's that's fortunate. That's the but... issue with
1: bridging your players. Uh oh, yeah. hmm. it's coming to play now. Hey, it's nice that Matt Tuchuk took the bridge, but if you had him locked in at maybe seven and a half, what he was worth at the time for eight years, you probably fit Goudreau. Now he he's uh, ten million. It's not crazy. Not at all. It's not at crazy. All. Um. For, yeah. But yeah, like you said, J.T. Miller for the Leafs. I mean, Friedman mentioned it, so it's not crazy. He said, "Yeah, and he. I what was it? I'm paraphrasing, but it was
0: like I would be going after, or I would look to. Mm-hmm. If you JT have T-Miller. five million
1: on LTIR for whatever Muzzin is, yeah, it fits right. And you know, five you need, you don't need them to retain, mm-hmm. you don't. And then deal with the five million that he makes next year. Next year, you could ship out any guy. Like that guy is an— Absolute game-breaking player. Mm-hmm. He's on the same level as William Nylander. That's how good this player is. I think Nylander this year has been a bit better, but historically JT Miller has been. He's a top-line winger in the NHL. He really is. Like,
2: so quickly to what you just said, Jake Muzzin makes five point six two five million dollars, and uh, JT Miller makes five point two five. So the difference there is four hundred k, and the Leafs have already accrued that much cap space. So. They can actually go out and get him right now and he'd be
1: able to fit under the cap. And JT Miller's not good defensively, but he's played center. He's taken mm-hmm. draws. Like yeah. maybe, oh, we could teach him. What if we <laughs> I I'm going too Probably minutes. not. What if you
2: split it to three lines with JT Miller? Like put JT Miller on the third line or put
1: Why not? You the possibilities become endless, right? Yes. I've got
0: I've got a funny tweet here. Mostly Leafy's tweeted, I'm thinking of something and they posted uh it was Jake Muzzin and his cap hit at 5.625 five. and then right next to it the next picture is Tomas Hertel oh, wow. whose cap hit is 5.625 and then the first comment is Hertel hole second pair <laughs> <laughs>
1: I like that uh Hertel's interesting we'll see that'll be uh
0: I think it'll come right uh, down to the wire yeah
1: because i think Hertel wants she San Jose said. to Jerry Maguire, show me the money, and I don't know if San Jose is going to be able to show him the money that he wants for eight years, which Mm -hmm. he wants. So we'll see. But the last name I want to get to before we end the podcast, we've talked about it a lot. The last name David Pagnotta said, Mark Giordano. Giordano. And now you know we're talking left D, right D. I think at this point it's just get a guy and figure it out. Mm-hmm. And that guy, would I be excited if that guy was? He a Leaf. will figure it out. He'd he's, he's he's right way D. too competitive. He'd play right D. He yeah. would. I know he Do would. Do whatever. And right now, maybe we need a lefty. Like,
0: yeah, we
2: we need a lot.
0: So, <laughs> according according to the Leafs' defensive performance,
2: so. Again, just I'm gonna go run through the the his cap situation. He makes six point seven five million dollars. I don't think that Seattle is gonna take an issue to retaining him at For all sure because we'll they, are so, they are so ex- they're like pretty far under the Unless cap.
0: They pull like their expansion draft galaxy brain. Like yeah, they maybe. just need to. They need to approach this free agency properly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So why wouldn't they retain though? It makes no sense. It would be stupid not to, but they... Absolutely. I don't know. They're not even spending to the cap this Mm -hmm. year. I think they... They're making bank bank on those... They sold out their season tickets in like... Like they make money. Yeah. They're making money. Mm -hmm.
2: And if... Yeah. And so another thing that's interesting is that uh, he has... Giordano has a modified no trade clause. And that's for 19 teams that he can be traded to. So I guess... What is it? So, some.
0: I don't s- think Toronto is off. Of I, I
1: Toronto's I would definitely say on the He list. would accept the trade to Toronto. Yes. 100%. Yes. With so some, there's with some leaky source there, but I would say he would accept the yes. trade to Toronto. There's there's some
2: option for where he gets to go. I, I read that wrong. I thought there was 19 that teams that he can't be traded to. But
1: anyway, sorry. Um, I, I think he source. came in. He became their captain. He didn't say I don't want to play here. Flip me to another team. He did everything right. He came to the press conference. He's played well for them this year. I think, knowing Ron Francis, the, he's a stand up hockey guy. I have no doubt that they'll work with Giordano to get him mm-hmm. if they are going to trade him wants. to a spot he wants to go. And yeah, I think Toronto might be a spot he wants to go. Yeah, mm. he's from Toronto, by the way. If you don't, he's Toronto, from our birthplace.
0: He's born in that. Woodbridge, kind of. Area? I don't know, but he lives in Oakville in the mm. off season. Um, best friends with a certain someone on our defense. Hmm.
1: Hmm. Maybe mm. a former partner. Of a certain hmm. someone on our defense, and then maybe Piz can live out his Riley Labushkin or Riley, with a defensive right D thought from last week.
0: Oh yeah, where I said split the mon- yeah yeah. And then you got
1: Muzzin Sandin on your third pair, which would be it. Interesting,
2: oh. I like that. Not bad.
0: If
1: Muzzin goes on LTIR, it sounds crazy. These things we're saying, but even Elliot Friedman said, "Buckle up, like mm. we'll see." Buckle up. Yeah.
0: Well, that would be that'd be like almost advantageous to us. What if Muzzin goes on? Yes, correct. <laughs> I it's it's terrible <laughs> to say, but I know hopefully he's okay. Yes, mm-hmm. it's first and That's foremost. The most important thing. But wow, get to cap friendly.
1: <laughs> we shall see what happens. I think that wraps up for today, though. I think yeah. honestly, this is maybe my favorite podcast we've done so far, yeah. and it comes off three leaf losses. But I think people will love this. I, mm-hmm. I think this was a, a systematic, thoughtful and thorough breakdown of what's going on with the Toronto Maple Leafs. What's happening, where they're going wrong, and how you can fix it. And I I do think a lot of fans, even though they've lost five playoff seasons in a row, even though they lost three in a row, even though the sky is falling, Sid Sixero, Steve Dangle, there is smart hockey fans in this market, and they want to know what's actually going on. And I hope we did a good job of that.
0: Love it. Thank you, so, everyone, for listening.
2: I just want to throw in quickly, just guys, if you can just follow us on Twitter, follow us on YouTube. We're starting to post uh, these podcasts on YouTube now. So if that's your preferred uh, avenue to digest this kind of content, uh, yeah, give us just a little subscription on YouTube. It really helps us out. Leave, a, leave us a review where you can. Leave us a comment where you can. All this stuff really, really helps us out. We love this team, and we love talking about this team. So whatever you guys can do to help us out would be much appreciated. Thank you, guys, for listening. Go Leafs, go. The Rink Rat Report podcast is brought to you by Betstamp, the ultimate sports betting companion app. Track, follow, and analyze your bets across multiple sportsbooks. And while you're there, check out the world's first verified buy and sell marketplace for sports betting picks. Download the app today. The Rink Rat Report podcast is also brought to you by Season 2 of The Lock Garage. Host Marco Shara, a Toronto criminal defense lawyer, interviews various criminal lawyers about the practice of criminal defense, gets them to share their war stories, and helpful tips for up-and-coming lawyers interested in the area of law. Out now on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Step into the garage, listen to the experts, and get a tune-up.